You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 12 of the Fearless Business Podcast, and I am super, super excited uh, to introduce you to my guest today. Um, It is the Maverick Renegade himself. He's the founder of Sales Academy. He has four businesses under his belt. Uh, As usual with uh, the entrepreneurs that we interview uh, to various degrees of success and failure, um, he also um, has founded two charities. I'm really super pleased to introduce my guest to you today, Adam Brooks. Welcome, Adam. Morning, morning, Rob. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Uh, right, so we always kick this off just in your in your own words. Now, just uh, tell us tell us a little bit about Adam. Who is Adam Brooks? Uh, okay, so if I was on Tinder right now, which I'm not, uh, 43. I'm I'm under six foot. I don't ski. I don't ride horses. Uh, but what I do love, mate, is life. I've got two beautiful children. Uh, I love challenging each of us to to live life and enjoy life and little moments as well as big moments. So I had a big moment on Monday at Wembley, uh, supporting my football team of 30 years. Uh, my love, my passion, probably a morbid curiosity these days, but Derby County at Wembley in the playoff final. We didn't do it this year, but proud of the boys. So always looking to see the, I, I guess the, not, not just the positives, because that's, that's a bit kind of contrite, you know? It's the, the reality in terms of the effort, the struggle, the passion, the energy, the commitment, the desire, the upset, the, the heartache, the, the kind of beautiful moments along the way as well. And that 90 minutes on Monday was so akin to, to being a parent, uh, being a business owner, an entrepreneur and stuff, being a colleague, being a leader and stuff. There's so many kind of likenesses and similarities. And last night I was up late on a, a WhatsApp group with, with a load of dads who've um, had children in special care baby unit and stuff like that. And there was a, a young guy on there who's concerned because it's their first child and um, just understanding what, what things are happening, whether it's normal or stuff. And all, I remember, I don't know about you, Rob, but I remember that panic with my first baby, you know, and somebody said to me, the second one bounces. And I, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I kind of remember thinking uh, uh, this tiny little precious, beautiful thing in my hand. And I was like, what do you mean? But they're absolutely right. My, my kids now are 12 and seven and, they do banks and you kind of relax into parenting, like you relax into leadership and like you relax into business and stuff. And I think the metaphors that run through life and business are the same. So yeah, I love, I love living life. I love encouraging people to, to, to get better at what they do and not accept the status quo. I've challenged that shit since I was a kid, you know, why, do, why do we have to do things because they've always been done that way? Why do we have to settle? You know, we are nowhere near a deferential society that we used to be. We don't sit down at six o'clock or 10 o'clock and watch the news anymore. We snack on information. We, that brings its own challenges because we're not sure about what to read and what's fake news and stuff. So yeah, I just want to cut through the bullshit and how people do that, change their thinking, change their acting, change their behaviors, their mindset so that they can get real with what's important in their lives. And you probably experienced this yourself, mate. Not everyone is cut out for business. Not everyone's ready to, to make that long, kind of lifelong journey, which is what it is. 
Um, I've, I've always found it's one of those things, especially with coaching, and we're going to dig into your kind of coaching background as well in a second. But um, I found with coaching, sometimes you've got to be cruel to be kind. You've got to let a few souls go because they're, yeah. just, not, they're just not up to the challenge. Yeah, massively. You know? and, and you've got to grab it with, there's tough love involved as there is with a parent, you know. And yeah, I see coaching very similar to, to therapy, to parenting, to all that sort of stuff. Because there is tough love. We don't know as parents what destination we're going to go in with our kids and stuff. We don't know with our clients what destination we're going into. And if they, if they expect us as coaches to tell them what to do or know where they need to go, they need to hire a frigging consultant, mate, and get clear about what it is they actually want. Because we, we go into these relationships, and we should be going into these relationships in a neutral stance, you know, without pre, predetermined ideas or prejudice about them or the industry or whatever. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're going we're gonna to really dive deep into kind of, um, you know, wh- why you need a coach um, sort yeah. of as we go through this interview. And I, I hope that, um, you know, I've, I've got a plan that there's a few skyscrapers that we need to kind of tear down here because the yeah, coaching great. industry is rife with just bullshit, isn't it? Mm. And it's, you know, it, it's one of those things that you, I mean, the good, it's like, like anything, the cream rises to the top, the best rise to the top. But Adam, it, you are, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in the UK, if not the world. I've seen how you, you work with your clients um, through Sales Academy, but um, when you're talking live on stage and things like that in front of a group of people, you know, but what, what, so what got you into coaching in the first place? Uh, well, I'll take it right back, mate. Here's, here's a revelation that you may not be aware of, but at 15 years of age, I stopped wetting the bed. Oh, good for you. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a life achievement right there, right? I think, um, I think somebody once said that the three traits of a serial killer, one of them's bedwetted. So I chose to not focus on the other two. Um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't really settle at school, mate. I didn't really do well at school. And it wasn't necessarily the subjects, because the subjects where I had a teacher that I respected, I, I excelled in. But I didn't really get the whole school thing. It, was, it just wasn't for me. I was being talked at for hours and hours and hours a day. And my mind just wandered. And I'm, I'm quite a creative and a free thinker. And I just didn't really fit into that conformed sit down at a desk and wait for the bell to go bullshit. So uh, I... I I struggled at school, but not necessarily with my colleague, my, my friends and stuff, my peers. I struggled with headmaster at primary school, sort of form tutor at secondary school and stuff. And at 14, I ended up going to see a head doctor, as they called it at the time. And I had no clue what it was, mate. But I went to see a psychiatrist with my mum. And I had three sessions with a psychiatrist. And they discovered that I was being bullied at school by the teachers. And there was a fear that it had driven that was forcing me to wet the bed. How bizarre. Wow. So, yeah, three, three sessions in, I went to school and I, I stood up to my form tutor, not in an aggressive way. I just stood up to him in, in a, and, and I guess I described this a lot. I felt a pop in my head. Something popped. I, there was a moment where I thought, do you know what? I'm not having this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore and I'm not going there anymore. And it felt like a real mature moment as a sort of 14, 15 year old kid. But looking back at it now, I just knew that I wasn't prepared to accept that anymore. And I stood up and I left and I stopped wearing the bed overnight. And that kicks, yeah, it, it kickstarted a fascination in me, in psychology, in the brain, how we think and at a really young age. So I left school knowing what I wanted to do, which was I wanted to become a copper. I wanted to join the police force. I was absolutely determined to do it. I grew up in an area where there were lots of police and stuff and the local Bobby knew your name and blah, blah. And 
I got into college, did some work experience in the police, raced out of college once I did that, got into full-time employment, and I wanted to get as much life experience as I could by the time I'm 18, so I look attractive as a kind of option for the police, you know, and I was white and male, and they had lots of them at the time, so um, fast forward to a failure in my application to the police service, I got told in the final interview, mate, that I was too shy, which leaves a little bit. To me. <laughs> I don't believe that. Like, was it the same person? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what happened, mate. But there we go. I drove. I drove down and knocked on the door on the way home from the interview. I literally drove, and I had a choice to go home or to to, to go and knock on someone's door. So those older listeners on this may remember Boyce and the Black Stuff, a guy called Yossa Hughes, and he used to have a strap line which was "Giss a job." And I literally drove down to uh, Reliance and knocked on the door and said, look, get a job. And fast forward a little while later, I became the youngest badge prisoner custody officer in the UK, got into offender management and then grew into offender rehabilitation. So this whole fascination with psychology and people and behaviours led me into uh, effectively coaching, not hard and necessarily just hardened criminals, but young criminals coming through, young people who have been nurtured in the life of their, their dad's been in prison, their, their brother's been in prison, or they've been on the wrong side of the law and stuff. And you meet these young kids who don't want to go down that road of drinking drugs and violence, and, and they want to change, but their entire support structure is geared in a different direction. So my very early coaching experience that I would say in a professional basis was with that was coaching freedom to offenders you know getting people to think and act differently and change their lives and take different routes and change their circle of friends and asking them loads and loads of tough questions about well what happens if you continue down this road where's your life going to be in five years or ten years time so i'm being blunt with you mate i didn't even know coaching was a thing it's just a it's in me it's what i've been doing since i was five years of age according to my mum um so when i discovered it as a professional thing I effectively started to really study coaching per se in my corporate days when I was managing teams because at a young age I got into at 24 I had a team of over 100 and then it got into another team of 75 that, that grew again and stuff sales customer service different and you you I, I quickly realized that I've got to inspire these guys to follow a common goal I've got to figure out what that common goal is with them not just give it to them figure out what the common goal is in terms of the business direction, the business need, figure out how we involve them and empower them to kind of live and breathe it, not just stick it up behind the receptionist and say, we've got one. Um, and then challenge them to benchmark themselves against it to make sure that they're delivering on it and they're living it. And that was how I developed teams that just kept winning. I got people bought into a common goal. They, they supported each other. And yeah, we had challenges, but the coaching and the leadership came hand in hand for me. So I studied in the early days, ILM, leadership level, up to five, whatever it was, studied NLP, studied uh, coaching cycles and coaching uh, models and all that sort of stuff. And there's so much complication and, as you said earlier, made bullshit in this industry now. I look back and I went, what is coaching for me? Coaching is asking questions. Coaching is sitting down, listening and asking questions. I think one of the biggest challenges that um, the coaching industry faces at the moment is its lack of regulation. So you talked about sort of midway through that about, um, you know, not even realizing that coaching was a thing. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that there weren't that many coaches, you know, it wasn't well known. Um, you know, whereas now we, we, we work in an industry that's totally unregulated and anybody mm. can call themselves a coach. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And to be fair, 
you know, <laughs> if we strip it right back, let's not let's not get too political on it. But in terms of how would we ever how would we ever regulate it? There's so many industries that are very powerful, very successful, and very abundant industries that aren't regulated. There are also very, very regulated industries that aren't very abundant and, and work except, exceptionally hard at keeping the man down, you know? Yeah. So there are, there's international federations, there's coaching institutions, you know, and most of the time they're self-regulatory badges of honor that, in my personal opinion, the only people that really benefit are the people that set up the bloody badge of honor in the first place because they get a monthly or an annual subscription from these coaches who are work, walking around hoping to get some sort of kite mark that says I'm a member of this, so please, please believe that I'm an okay guy. I'll tell you what makes you an okay guy or an okay woman. Not being a dick. That's what makes you an okay guy and an okay woman. Being hundred percent. You know, being. I don't need a fucking badge to tell me that I'm a good human. What I need to do is be able to sit down, listen to people, ask them questions, get them thinking, acting differently. Really, actually, give a shit about them and care about them. You know, Zig Ziglar famously said years ago, "No one, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care." I, I think that um, one of the biggest problems that I see, though, and you kind of touched on it there with these coaching qualifications and badges of honour, is because I do a lot of work with other coaches and consultants, and I just see people going off. They get their NLP qualification or they get their coaching qualification, whatever it is, mm. and they come out, but nobody has taught them how to get clients. And it frustrates me because you're there with these like super talented people who can help you know a gazillion other people and yet they they're they're equipped with the one thing that is going to stop them from being a successful coach and that is being able to go out there and find clients and and help them and i i just um it it paint i mean it, it it's kind of in a very selfish way it's kind of good for me because you know a lot of people come through fearless business because they see the success which i have i'm sure there are a lot of your clients coming because they yeah. see the success that you've got in terms of building that tribe building that group of raving fans and getting results for your clients but fundamentally i think something's got to change in the industry where where we actually where they put rather than it just being a certificate a certification they actually put the business hat on and i also think as well you know the sad fact is that they're busy handing out these certifications but they're not actually challenging people as to whether they are right to set up a coaching practice or not whether they're right to run a business does that make yeah, sense yeah it, it, it's incredible mate there's um there's a guy that some people will know reading this uh, listening to this podcast and and i i love the guy to bits and his name is bradley sugars right and he set up uh, a fantastic coaching business called action coach or action international back when it was when i joined it um it started in Brisbane, you know, this guy, multimillionaire by the age of 20, lost it all by 21, had to rebuild. Blah, blah. The, the, the guy's story is incredible. Now, people love him or hate him. He's a Marmite and stuff. Yeah, so, so, so are we, mate. So happy days. Yeah. But he, um, every day he's doing uh, drive times on Instagram, IGTV and stuff. And he's very simple nuggets. And he's still uh, educating the world and re-educating business right? and changing the world through business re-education, which was part of their mission years ago. And I got heavily involved in the time in Action Coach with bringing coaches on board and supporting and growing it into uh, different countries and stuff. And, I, and I, I was fascinated by people used to come and go, so what do I get if I buy this franchise? What do I get if I invest into Action Coach? And I'm like, well, what do you want? And they're like, well, if I invest in so-and-so, 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 I get a certificate. And I was like, cool, with the greatest respect, go and get a certificate. What, what you're going to get when you invest into Action Coach is a business, is a an intellectual property-based business full of manuals, workshops, content, 
that will enable you in all aspects of the business in terms of marketing or sales or finance to, to really help other businesses grow. And you've piggyback on the fact that you've got, well, back in the day, it was 1,600 of us around the world. So we had coaches in every country, in every, well, in every major continent, basically, and, and in every industry. So if you had a, a new customer that works in a different industry that you never or you weren't sure whether there was any specific knowledge that you needed. And again, why would you as a coach? But it, it just helped to have that confidence and that backup. And you don't get that with a certificate. You don't get that with a college education. So going back to what you were saying earlier, like, um, we had loads of people in action coach with MBAs and stuff. And they were like, that gave me the theory. And then not knocking it because it was great. But the experience of working with businesses and working with the personalities and the emotions and the, the um, responsibility of dealing with people's livelihoods and supporting them and growing it, you and I don't take that shit lightly. And, and very few coaches, real coaches that I've ever met do. And that means more to me than a frigging certificate will any day, of the, uh, any, any day of the week. So I don't care if you've only just started as a coach. If you start getting results, working with people, or truly putting them first, then you will be successful. Yes, you're going to have ups and downs. Yes, you will be challenged by it. Yes, you may not have the brand of somebody who's got this and the other. But mate, I've seen too many Twitter wankers out there, and I'm going to call them that. You know, they 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 literally trade off a badge or uh, um, a, a, an accreditation in some way, shape, or form because they lack elsewhere. And yeah. I, people may challenge me on this, and they're more than welcome to. I'm, I'm happy to debate this stuff all day long, right? It genuinely shows me a lack of confidence in their own skills, their own ability, their own experience, their own background, their own ability to be able to deal with whatever stuff comes out when they're sat in front of people. Yeah. And the thing is as well, like Adam, you, you, I know, you know, we've done some work together and I've seen the amount of intellectual property which you've created. You've seen the amount of intellectual property which I've created. And I think there's that level of creativity which you need in a business coach um, or any coach to that matter um, in order to you know, you know that when, when, if they're that creative about like making their business better, you know that they're going to pull that creativity into your business as well. And I, and I think that's one of the things which kind of really, you know, strongly differentiates a good coach from a bad coach. You know, certificates might be enough just to get, give somebody the confidence to get started. So don't want to knock the certifications, you know, in its entirety, but it might be enough to get somebody started, but then do they then stop then? Do they stop actually learning? Do they stop being creative? And, and yeah, really, I can't remember who said it, whether it was Woody Alamate or Mark Twain, but it was like when we, when we start believing our own headlines is when, we're, when our career's over. Yeah. Something along those lines, you know, and it's, you know, I've, so I could tell you the stories that make your toes curry. You know, I've had coaches that say to me, and they've, they've literally sat me down, and it's like a, a measuring exercise in, in coachiness. And they've turned around and said, um, yeah, my process is I, I need to get my prospects to, buy, uh, to cry. Because if they cry, they'll buy. And I'm like, oh, God, that yeah. sends a shiver down my spine. Seriously, mate. And I'm like, there's a prison door with your name on. Seriously. Yeah, goodness. And, and, it, and then you've got people that, that, that you've got to be better than the people that you coach. And I'm like, no, no, you've got to learn from everywhere. Every single day is a bloody school day. So <laughs> I, I don't do this school of life bullshit on Facebook. But, mate, I'm, as I said earlier, I wasn't academic. But I've studied and studied and studied. I read books prolifically. I attend webinars. I, I, I challenge my thinking on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis so that I can continually grow because that's the most exciting thing for me 
And I remember years ago, and I, I think I said this on a podcast I was on recently, but it's so true. Uh, an old pub landlord of mine when I was a kid, I was working behind the bar, and I, it was only just a quiet little village pub, and, and you know, AD said to me, the, the, the newspapers were on the bar, he said, you've got the dailies and you've got the board sheets. He said, other than serving a few people that are going to be coming in today, your, day, your job is to read those papers. He said, just keep picking them up, turning the pages, read the stories, flick through them, digest it. And I was like, why? He said, because your role is to be able to have a conversation with whoever comes through that door. And if I was to probably put one sales advice out there, mate, that was it. It was probably the biggest thing that shaped my adult career was being open to the fact that I need to be able to hold a conversation with whoever I meet. Yeah. I don't, I don't care whether it's the queen or the janitor, the cleaner, whatever. I need to be able to hold a conversation and want to be able to hold a conversation with the human being and, and do my best to get the best out of them. Well, you'd probably struggle as a coach if you couldn't hold a conversation for a start. So yeah. <laughs> let, let alone be a, a normal human being, being able to go into, you know, various different social situations and things like yeah. that. And so how do we educate people fundamentally? Uh, yeah. How do we regulate this industry, right? You know, what does that look like if at all? Well, it's, it's, that's the biggest challenge, isn't it? I mean, there, there are, I, I think, I think for a start, it's got to be an education, um, uh, uh, sort of pro- an educational process because I think business owners just need to get wise into in terms of what they're buying into. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I can speak for myself here. Results speak for themselves. You know, if you've got a coach out there who everybody is raving about, everybody's talking about, they've they've built up their own IP, their 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 business, that their own business is based on really solid foundations, um, and and it doesn't take a lot of digging to be able to kind of look into somebody's background and history and read a few reviews on Google and Facebook and things like that and see mm. whether they are a, you know, um, a sound a, a sound sort of a sound coach basically i mean i've had i've had coaches who've you know um they they've literally done a cut and paste job on my intellectual property you know my assessment form yeah. somebody literally took the pdf changed the colors on it put their slapped their logo on it and called it their own and then n- next thing you know i've got somebody coming to me saying oh is this is this an assessment form that all coaches use and yeah. i'm like well hang on why are you saying that you know now that person should not be trading but then if you did if you just do a little bit of digging you'll start to see oh the odd facebook review um about them you'll see the odd google review about them that's like one star uh you know their aggressive nature in terms of just chasing the money and and the bs which kind of hangs behind you said the twitter thing you know the instagram posts of like well they're actually just on holiday in cyprus but they'll make out that they're out there seeing their you know their their coach you know for that they're spending thousands of dollars on and all this sort of stuff and you're just like Hmm. you look at it and you just think there's just something a little bit fishy yeah. but I think there's this this thing in business sometimes where where you know I guess you take everything at face value and you think that just because it's business nobody's really there to rip you off but the reality is like we're grown-ups and there are some not very nice people out there we just need to take a bit more care when we're buying stuff yeah it's 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 a it's an interesting one right if you if you look at um not just the legal structure of it, but also the common sense and the, and the standard thinking. If, if there was a financial issue in your business, who do you turn to? Well, probably your accountant, maybe. Cool. Cool. If there was a legal issue in your business, who would you turn to? A uh, lawyer. Cool. But if there's a growth issue in your business, who don't we turn to? A uh, business coach. You know, it's, it's that <laughs> bloody easy, mate. You know, it's that... When, when business coaching is genuinely recognized as like a, an emergency service 
kind of level in terms of the fire police from a business perspective you know accountants are at risk of becoming extinct with digital reporting and everything else and i've said this many many times but they should never ever ever become extinct if they're progressive if they work with you but if they're only ever reactively dealing with what's gone in the past then their dodo bridge is waiting you know yeah so they have a risk of becoming extinct i don't believe the good ones will so in terms of the legal side of it, there are always going to be legal uh, elements that come into play in terms of business. So common sense thinking, we automatically go to finance experts. We automatically go to legal experts. But when it comes to growth, we wing it, all right? Yeah. We wing it. We invest no money at all. We, we don't give it the respect that it deserves. And everyone, and you know this, mate, I've, I've talked about this a lot, and I know you've experienced it personally a lot as well, is everybody wants magic beans. They want the frigging Jack scenario. They want to try a Facebook ad once and it to just scoop everybody in and their business is going to take off because they went on a seminar, they paid a grand to do on this Facebook and then suddenly they weren't getting 10 grand a month in with a laptop, like you said, on the adverts. And they feel duped and they feel that they've been effectively raped, you know, metaphorically. Oh, oh but it's, it's, not, it's not their fault. It's the person who duped them. Yeah, now there's a controversial one. There's an interesting one. Because the, the blame lies on both sides, right? If you're uh, Derek Bock famously said this: if you think education's expensive, try ignorance. And he was absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. You know, there's people that work you because you're spot on. People will just point the finger and blame because it's easier to point the fan, finger and blame. But if I made the stupid decision, sometimes I make bad decisions just because I'm stupid. Well, th- there you go. I, I've got to portion some of that blame to me. Now that doesn't. Uh, justify or or let off the hook the individuals who are out there scurrying around like rats under bin lids in our industry quoting bloody LinkedIn training 10 grand a month and all these kind of stuff and mate I've had it the same as you said earlier I've had people come to our sessions and they've they've taken all of our content they've taken our slide decks and literally just changed the brand and none of the content you know just changed the, the and I remember years ago my business partner she used to get very upset by that sort of stuff and I was like let's just let them it's yes it's a compliment but let them, man. They're never going to be us. They're never going to really understand. They didn't write the content. They didn't invest the time and energy putting into the structure and the format and the psychology and the why behind the what of the content. So all they've got is a load of what. So what? Here's, here's an idea for you, Adam. So maybe maybe the issue then in terms of like how, how you go about finding a good coach is finding the coaches who aren't though those um then they're not of the mindset of like the quick win the silver bullet the the magic beans because a good coach knows like what you've gone through since you were 15 Mm. and all of the challenges you faced along the way all of the trial and error everything that you've tested all of the books that you've read all of those sorts of things fundamentally you've been you've been a coach you know for 20 plus years, you've tested everything. You know all of the foibles of running a business. Same for me. I've been in business for 20 plus years. Okay, I've only been coaching for three of those years. However, I've worked with enough businesses during that time to understand and, and know that it comes down to testing. Whereas the biggest challenge I see with a lot of coaches who aren't particularly good coaches is that they're in the same boat as Joe Public business owner who wants the quick win. <laughs> So they're not differentiating themselves at all from 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 their potential customer base there. So, you yeah. know, my theories around kind of the whole like 
you know, the, the internet has just fucked business over in a massive way yeah. because there's this massive misconception that, you know, global marketplace, so easy to set up a business. You start selling t-shirts and become an overnight millionaire and all this sort of stuff. Well, the reality is actually there's 10 times number of businesses as there were, you know, 30 years ago, pre-internet age, which actually doesn't make it 10 times easier. It actually makes it 10 times harder for potential yeah. customers to find you. And therefore, you know, and I, I, I just heard this term in you probably, I shared this in a post the other day about unicorn marketing, because basically everybody is out there looking for this unicorn marketing thing, like you said, the Facebook ads, but the reality is like, actually, if you tested a hundred different ways of marketing, like a hundred different things that you could possibly do for your business, probably only between one and 3% of them are going to work. But most people will, oh, I'll try Facebook ads. Oh, it doesn't work. I tried MailChimp. Oh, it doesn't work. I tried my website. I spent loads of money on my website. It doesn't work. Well, you've only tested three things, not a hundred. How do you know which one of those things actually works? And this is fundamentally, I think, where, like you said, the best coaches stand out because they're there challenging you to keep on testing, to keep on trying. They're there like, you know, down in the trenches fighting with you to find the thing that's going to work for your business. We're not just talking about marketing coaches. We're talking about coaches in general, because it might be that actually your marketing's fine. You're getting leads, but actually your product's not great. Your prices aren't great. Your sales processes aren't great. But imagine it, imagine if this way, like imagine team guys, so Dave Brailsford in 2009, when he took that team on, Imagine if like, you know, the first race that they went into, you know, they, they didn't win it and they're just like, oh, we're never going to win this. <laughs> we just give up. Like they never would have got all those gold medals and the six Tour de France victories and everything else. But for them, it's just like they would, they tweaked every tiny little thing yeah. across, let's call it a business, across their business. So the bike on the bike, the sleeping habits of the, the competitors, the aerodynamics of the hats, the weight of the pedals on, on the bikes. Like they literally, they, they built a, a special like wind tunnel just to, you know, they went to the nth degree of testing. Yeah. And this, in my opinion, is what business owners should be doing. They should be in this for the long haul and test absolutely everything. Yeah. And the key... That, the key bit in that, mate, and because I, I completely agree with you, the key bit in that is they absolutely should. That's what business owners should be doing is investing into that long-term testing and measuring commitment, tweaking stuff, waiting, tweaking, waiting, tweaking. But the reality is, and you and I know this, without somebody in their corner effectively holding them accountable, we go back to basic human being behavior, which is lowest common denominator, left to our own kind of being, we won't. Yeah. Left our own devices, we just won't. So that, that kind of takes takes me back to the direction of, you know, if we ask the question of why have a business coach, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot at events and stuff as well, is so why would I work with you as a coach? And why would I and I I never answer it in the sense of and I don't want to be a politician in this, but I, I there is no straightforward answer of why would you work with me? Because hey, let's be honest, you might not even bloody like me. Hey, I'm a Derby County fan, I swear like a fishwife, so you might not like me. <laughs> but Let's, let's park the egos for a minute. Let's turn it back on that individual and go, what is it in you that believes that you actually need a coach? So if you've reached this point where you're thinking about having a coach or you're standing in front of me asking me a question of why would I use you as a coach, you've obviously at some point reached a decision where you think, well, maybe I might need a coach. And understanding the nub of that why is vital for both you and the coach. Yeah. You know, is it something that you want to pay lip service to? Is it something that I'm sure you've had this, mate? Is it some people want to pay to join your service but don't actually want to do the work to get the results? They expect these miracles to happen and you to kind of, without being a shareholder and take all the dividends, to perform magic in their business. So, yeah. 
it's, <laughs> it's kind of like the why. What is it? What do you need? What's the ingredient you're looking for? And the word I'm going to use here, mate, is congruency. And it's a beautiful underused word, but congruency is absolutely vital. I know you're coached and, and you're coached by more than one coach, right? I know that my coach challenges me and I've, I've got more than one coach. But my, the guy that challenged me, and you've met Dave or you know Dave, he challenges, he's, he's an absolute bellend. I love him to bits. We can, I trust that guy's counsel, right? Yeah. I would sit down and have a beer with him and I would trust him with my inner secrets. That, for me is about someone I respect. I respect their opinions. I respect their questions. I respect their counsel. That's vitally important for me as a coach because I need to be put under the microscope and drilled down on. I need to have those kind of moments where they ask me a brilliant question, which is just a simple question, but it's the one I know I should have been asking. I've been bloody avoiding. That's the power of beautiful coaching. And when we're feeling that as coaches, it makes us more congruent with our clients. So well, it makes, us, it makes us understand like how our clients feel, I think, more than yeah. anything. It completely so we're more real with the experience and that goes back to that continual learning and you know when I meet coaches at network meetings and stuff like this and on the business circuit and if you don't do this already I really encourage you to do it is when you meet them stuff into the conversation ask them who their coach is and just watch their reaction that's a really good acid test yep. in terms of the fake it till you make it versus the, the oh I've done that- it the coach without the coach yeah Again, just sends shivers down my spine. It's like the, the, or the, the 21 year old life coach. It's like, okay, are you teaching people? And they're like, no, no, we, we're going to help like, you know, middle-aged men, but you're 21. Like what, how's, how's your life gone? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and what, what else is there? There, there? There's others like that as well. Yeah. You're going to teach me what I had to pass my A-levels. <laughs> they, my, my favorite. Oh, I'm gonna, I can say this because it's my podcast, Adam. I'm going to say it. The, um, the, the multi-level marketing businesses, and I'm not knocking MLM businesses. I know some people who run some incredibly successful MLM businesses, yeah. but then they come out and try and teach normal businesses. Oh, when they turn into coaches, you mean? Yeah. They coaches yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So great. I, I, again, I've seen some great MLM business owners come out and coach other MLM businesses, but then they come out and try and te- teach bricks and mortar businesses how to run their business. And you're just like, and it crumbles and you're just like, ah, disaster zone. Yeah. I, I literally, mate, I've seen it so many times. And we, in the early days, we had people that used to hang about our networks and stuff and come into the, into some of the workshops we used to run. And then I remember one time and yes, yeah, yes, your podcast, mate, but well, I'll, I'll say this as well. You know, we speak openly. Uh, there was a there was an individual that came in and literally struggled to be in the room with a group of business owners who were in in brackets uh, real business owners. Um, they had really struggled in that room that day, and in fact spent most of the time in the toilet, hiding away. And then the following week came out as the I don't know the world's best coach, whatever international coach. This and it's like come on and it's so easy these days and so affordable to put information products together, right? You, you don't yeah. even need any money. And I'm, 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 there's a project I'm working on now that I've been working on for two years and I know you know so much about it, but it's, it's not at launch stage yet, mate, so we're not talking about that publicly. But I'm teaching and I'm working with some people that are far better than, than me, all right? And we're, we're teaching business owners to start with free, right? We set up Sales Academy with 25 quid. We had business cards printed with both of our names on back to front. We had a laugh about it. Every time I handed my business card, I, I gave it them with Amanda's name showing upwards. And they'd be like, oh, this is Amanda's. I'm like, oh, no, that's my weekend name. Turn it over. And we made fun of it. But we, <laughs> we, we literally, yeah, seriously, we, we decided it was, a, it was a committed decision that we're going to buy some business cards and that's the only thing we're going to invest. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to grow Sales Academy with literally no money down. Yep. And we did it. And we've done it for years now. We're nearly a decade in and we coach internationally and stuff. And we've had, we've got five coaches in the firm now and it's, it's great fun. We love it. And you know that. Yeah. But the new, new projects in terms of really looking at social and marketing and digital media and all these other things, because back, back in my day, you had to put DVDs together and get labels printed and ship it out to people. And it was bloody hard work and you had printers lined up and stuff. Now you can set up Dropbox for free. You can set up a load of folders. You can make things public. You can make things private. You can make things subscription-based. There's so many ways that you can put a wealth of information together and bring people into programs that effectively you've begged, stolen, borrowed that content from anybody else. You put it together in, in your own branded version. And then people who, going back to the ignorant status, people who are ignorant are literally jumping onto stuff. Now, in one sense, I would celebrate that because at least they're taking the commitment to invest and develop. Yeah. Like, it frustrates me that they're not doing their due diligence about the product or the people that they're buying into before they buy. That's where the ignorance comes in for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I so said, what, what, what would that due diligence look like then? I mean, it, fundamentally, like this, this we've got to, we, I want to be able to help um, people understand and work out how to find the best coach out there. You know, presumably if we've put, them up, put people off enough on this interview, Adam, and they, they don't want to work with us, um, you know, who, who else? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing about marketing though, isn't it? This is probably something for another, another day, Adam, but the whole yeah, thing about repel, marketing is... got to repel as much as it attracts. Right. That's it. Repel the clients you don't want, the prospects you don't want in your business, and, and attract yeah. the ones that you, you know are a good fit. So, um, but but if you were if you were if you had like a ten point checklist that that yeah. was like, how do you do your due, due diligence around uh, a coach you're thinking of hiring? What would that list look like? Well, mine mine doesn't even need to be ten, mate. So if you look at uh, mine's really simple, but at least give me a bit of positioning first. Yes, you can Google people, their businesses and stuff like that. You can find reviews. You can do all the, the, the brilliant stuff you said earlier on. And for some people who want that detail and need that detail, that's, that's absolutely right. It's like taking the, the height of the mountain down to a curve because at some point, if you're going to invest in your business and invest in yourself and they're in turn invest in a coach, you're going to have to take a leap of faith. And there will always be that leap of faith when you make that decision. And not all of those leaps work out, all right? So be prepared to change and grow and outgrow if that needs to happen. Don't just stick. But at the same time, stick with stuff long enough to be able to test and measure things. But um, yeah, do your research online. All those kind of things are great. But for me, the main thing is to sense check the abundance of the individual. So contact the coach, contact the person you wanna, uh, you're thinking about working with after you've done some of that research potentially, and have a conversation. See if they're prepared to have a conversation. Are they prepared to give you their time and invest abundantly their time with you? Because in my experience, mate, the successful people in the world that I've had the pleasure of being mentored by and supported by over the years, they're not scarce. Yeah. You know, and they do not operate with a scarcity mindset. And, you know, the, the, the interview I did with Bob Berg, uh, it's a crack in his book, The Go-Giver and stuff like that. It's a cracking interview with one of the most abundant guys I've ever had the pleasure of being an ambassador for, you know, yeah. and the principles that he teaches. So if a coach isn't prepared to invest a little bit of time with you because either their ego is they're too important or they haven't got time and stuff like that, you have to pay before you come in. And I remember those kind of dirty tactics of, well, you know, you have to sign up for 12 months and three months in advance and it's X amount of money a month and stuff. And people would be like, well, what do I get for that? And the only response I heard so many times was, well, you'll have to wait and see. And I'm like, Ugh. Oh, I feel like it, 
I feel like a dirty stage magician, you know? I think a little bit of sick just came up then. Yeah, (laughs) it's about alchemy, right? Good good results, good relationships, good business practices, you know, working with leaderships and teams together, that coherence. It's about alchemy and creating that kind of alchemy. So if I can have a bit, my acid test is if I can have a beer with you, I want to work with you. Yeah. If I genuinely sit down and go, I, 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 I wouldn't entertain actually sitting down and having a beer with this guy or this lady because they, 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 there's very little there in terms of commonality, inspiration, whatever it might be, whatever is important to you to respect someone's counsel, that would be the thing for me. So it'd be reach out to them, have a conversation and start finding out about them and who they are and whether there's a fit for you guys because that's going to be the key ingredient. All of their, you know, successes and failures. I mentioned Brad earlier on, literally lost everything and rebuilt. You know, you get to the millionaire stage and then everything's stripped away from you because you made a bad business mistake and your partner ran off with all your money and he admits this openly and publicly. It didn't define who he was. He came back and bounced back far quicker, far stronger, far better, learning from those mistakes. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm a big fan of like, you know, if, if you do, if you manage to do something once, it's a bit of luck. If you do it twice, it's a happy accident. But if you do it three times, it's, it's, it's a coincidence no, or no yeah. coincidence. You've done it out of design. And suddenly like, you know, I know exactly the stories you're telling me about Brad and, and um, you know, that, that guy has, has been, been through the mill and returned a couple of times. And mm. it shows that if, you know, he's done that by design. I was going to say one of the best books I ever read actually, which, um, uh, this would probably be helpful for some of the listeners. So um, it was a book called um, The Prosperous Coach by yeah. Rich Litvin. Have you ever read that, heard that? No, I've heard it. I've read it. It is, it is by far and away, if you're a coach, it's by far and away one of the best books ever. So he talks really? about, um, I can't remember the exact term he uses, but it's about um, delivering um, like the, the, the most valuable um, coaching consultation the most powerful coaching consultation you can do when you meet somebody for the first time mm. with a view that you you um you remove any kind of like positive and negative emotion from the sale as the coach so or from from that relationship the one thing that you do is deliver as much value as you possibly can to your the person who sat in front of you and it doesn't matter what what type of a coach you are or who you help or anything like that but he says he said what you should be willing to do is like th- there should be kind of three outcomes when uh during that consultation so and and the three outcomes are along the lines of you know that um uh great if somebody says yes because they've they've seen the value that you can add um, but you've done it in an abundant way that you'd be willing to walk away from it if it's not a good fit the the and the second way is that even if you do even if you know the client does choose to say no and go elsewhere or not have a coach that actually you've left in something impactful um and i i think it's one of those things that you know because i just see a lot of coaches who are just i guess slimy salespeople, and all they want is the money and they're not operating within the best interest of the the client mm. and and there are times when i will I will make a client, a prospect feel uncomfortable during a consultation, but it's because I know that they need my help. Mm, But it's out of a place that I don't want to let them go because I know it's going to be more harmful to them if they go away without my help. Yeah, why stop when you're just getting good, right? Yeah, and and that's hard sometimes. I think that's yeah. really hard as a coach, but you know, it, 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 you've got to deliver it in such a way, and Rich Litvin talks about this, you've got to deliver it in such a way that you do it from a, a caring like that human to human perspective, a caring and understanding perspective. And they know that you're doing it because you want to help them. 
Yeah, I had a, um, and I've used this many times in talks, mate. But if, if you, there's a, a brilliant movie. It's only a short movie. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen it and talked about it before. But the two one two movie, the the boiling point. I haven't seen that. No. Right. It's literally it's it's on YouTube, mate. If you if you Google two one two movie, it's it's out out of date in terms of the stats, but it's still relevant in terms of the sporting message messages and the kind of the, the, about performance, right? But basically, two one two is the boiling point of water. So if you put a pan of cold water on the stove and you turn the heat underneath and you put you apply pressure, which is a heat underneath the pan, for a long time that water will just remain water. Yes, it heats up, it gets a little bit, but you keep applying that pressure to a point. And then suddenly it will reach 212. And when it reaches 212, that becomes boiling point. And that's when the water turns into steam. And that steam will power a locomotive. It's now changed the energy source, right? Now, human beings face this kind of perturbation, this experience all the time in terms of they're up against the wall, they're up against the pressure. And that pressure could be financial, relationship, business, whatever. And they kind of need to break through, not break down. They need to pop through almost. I mentioned right at the start about that little pop that happens and we all experience it but we don't necessarily listen to it and recognize it just enough uh, and as much as we need to so that if you if you take that pan off the heat at 212 it goes back to just a normal cold pan yeah and human beings will do exactly the same so you're absolutely right in terms of coming at it from a caring place you know if we boil that water it will produce steam and steam will produce power and power can change the world industrial revolution it did it so in terms of they have choices to put the pan away, off the heat or keep it on the heat. Yeah. Our role as coaches is 100% about holding them accountable, holding that mirror up and getting them to, to challenge their own boundaries. Yeah. Right? One, of, one of the questions I ask, and it's a really, really simple but effective question to ask that for someone who's considering working with a coach, working with them, um, developing their business, is what would stop you? Forget about me. Forget about the, the coaching principles. Forget about what, what would stop you. Yeah. No, because if they can't answer that, then they haven't gone far enough yet into understanding what men, what are the obstacles that are going to scupper them? You know? No, I think a coach has to be willing to, to say no as well, because you, you might have a client, a prospect who's like, I want to buy, I want, I want your thing. Like they, but again, they might be treating it a little bit like that, you know, the Jack and the Beanstalk thinking that you're the thing that's going to turn their business around. But um, I, I've turned clients away because they're not ready for me yet. And I don't mean that in a, it's not an egotistical thing here. It's not an ego thing. It's, uh, it's just a, their business is too early stage. They haven't quite been through, but I'll, I'll, I'll happily, I'll, I said, I'll send them away with like three things that they need to do, four of my books, you know, a wealth of stuff, give them a free invite to, to one of my networking meetings or an event which I'm putting on. Like I'll give them as much value as I possibly can do. But actually there are times I think when coaching can do more damage than good. So if you leave it on the pressure pot too long, what's eventually, you know, if you don't release a little bit of steam, that thing's just going to explode. Yeah, there and needs to be a channel. There needs to be a channel for that extra, that extra power, right? That extra yeah. energy. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's, that's the danger with a lot of shit coaches, and I'm happy to say that, that they don't know, they don't know when to take the lid off, when to apply the pressure. They don't know how to, if they, if they do push somebody a bit too hard, they don't know how to bring them back from the, you know, the brink. Um, and they don't know how to manage that, that situation. And the sorry fact is that you end up with business owners going around who are just, a, they're a bit broken by the whole process. Yeah, there's, um, an, ingredient, there's an ingredient in there that to add in, mate, is they, they don't want to let go. 
I see a lot of coaches that don't want to let go of their clients. Now, whether that be financially driven motive or whatever, or status, or, you know, they, they, some, some people are just that competitive that they never want to admit defeat. And that's not a healthy approach all the time, you know? So sometimes clients outgrow us, you know, they will outgrow us and that's a good thing. And that's, that should be embraced. Yes, the revenue moves away, but the revenue moves away to another coach and they, they continue to, and the, the universal laws, it will come back in, in many ways. So if it, it comes back to that abundance versus scarcity thing again, mate, for me in so many ways. Yeah, because- and I, like, I don't mind holding my hands up. You know, that was part of my, probably my biggest learning as a coach was when, um, you know, and we've, we've talked about this, when mm. uh, in the early days of my coaching practice, when I had, you know, the odd client leaves it wasn't painful but then a group of clients left all in one pitch and I remember getting so caught up in that and you helped me through that process yeah um and and showed me that actually if you if you looked at each one of those individual clients at their particular point when they left it was the right time for them yeah and that's the point where I realized actually coaching isn't about me at all it's it's entirely 100% about the individual you're coaching yeah, it is, mate. And this it, is—it's it, a—it sounds so simple when you say it. It sounds so bloody simple. I just wish that the business advisors, coaches, mentors, consultants, whatever they want to call themselves, or whatever we want to call ourselves, I wish everybody had that very simple approach to it in terms of—and and and I'm not talking marketing, client focus, businesses. Like, just be customer focused. Just be that human being that cares enough. That cares enough to turn around and go. Do you know what? This we're not right for each other. Do you know what? I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna send you a link to sign up to a program and all that sort of stuff because everyone's coachable, not everyone's ready to be coached. Yeah. So I absolutely agree with you, mate, and you know the way we work as well. There's there's loads of free workshops, there's loads of content, we'll put it out there abundantly, we'll give people templates and tools and guidance and stuff. And we jump on with Zoom calls, we give we give people an abundance of support for free because without the accountability they're not necessarily going to be able to implement that stuff to see the results. And in the early stages of a business, we don't have the budget for that. So if we can abundantly put it out there, we know it's going to come back tenfold. We also have an escalator of products and people say to me all the time, Oh, your your prices, Oh, you haven't put them up for years. No, 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 we're never going to. It's an escalator because people move on. They evolve, they grow and they come back. It's happened since, well, obviously not at the start because they were only starting with us, but since we began, we've had people come back to us numerous times. And we offer different programs so that they can do that. So they outgrow us, they move on, they come back. But that will never happen if the coach is restricting of that, if the coach reaches their ceiling and projects their ceiling onto their client, or the coach and their, and their business practice, their business setup, their products and services, isn't geared up in that way to enable these, these people to actually come back as customers and not just buy for a period of time as a shopper. That's it. And I think, you know, I've had clients who've waited two years to work with me. Yeah, cause, exactly. because that's the time that is right for them and, and their business and mm-hmm. their, their affordability, I'm not going to lie, you know, some yeah. t- a good coach. I don't know. I, I guess, I guess some, you know, the pricing thing's interesting, isn't it? Cause there are some excellent coaches who are very cheap. There are some shit coaches who are super expensive, but um, you know, sometimes it's, it's all about, it's the individual and the time's got to be right for them, their level of affordability, their access to resources, because they may just have needed more time to actually be able to put into working with a 
coach and get the most out of it. But during those, you know, I'm thinking about one of the clients who it was over two years, two years and three months actually before they came and started working with me. You know, they've read all of my books. They've been incredibly like, they're almost like the best client I ever had that wasn't a client until they became a client because they were just out there like saying how, how, you know, go and speak to Robin about this, that, and the other. He's given the books. You've got to go to his networking meeting. You've got to go to the events that he puts on, like go and watch his videos. They're out there just like shouting about all of the good stuff that you're doing. Um, you know, the best clients I've ever had have never paid me a penny. Yeah. Interesting. So on that bombshell, Adam, on that bombshell, we can, I mean, is there, is there something, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about, um, you know, cause obviously you've, you've been coaching for a while now, but imagine if you were, um, we'll, we'll jump on board, aboard the fearless, um, business time machine and we rewind the clock 10 years. Yeah. Um, if you were to um, sit down with Adam from t- 10 years ago, what, what do you think you might tell him? Oh, okay. Uh, bring coaches on board earlier. Invest in your coaches more and bring coaches on board earlier. It, it's just the, 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 the evolution and the development of coaches is is where my focus is at for the next few years uh, so, so that we can get better and better and better at this. So it's a real passion. It's a real energy. It's, you, you talk about some of those going back to right at the start of the call, mate, we're on about benchmarking and stuff. Yeah, we our, our mission is to be the greatest little sales training and business coaching company this planet's ever seen. And that is the greatest little. You know, we, we want to be the speedboat. We don't want to be this really cumbersome, heavy, weighted down organization that struggles to adapt to changes we need to be we need to be swift and nimble and, and, and able to adapt you know so it's it's revisiting that as a training model in terms of our coaches and supporting them and continuing to want to grow with the right people so our coaches come from our clients we work with them over over a period of time in their business they um, have varying levels of uh, success and failure and all that sort of stuff but you just see and you, you feel and you hear the, the coach inside of them. And this is where I say success is subjective in so many ways. How do we benchmark? How do we measure? I can, I can work with somebody who, as I said earlier, I want to have a beer with. I don't necessarily care whether they've had huge amounts of reams of success based on how nine times out of 10 people would gauge success. If they can get me thinking and acting differently and they can hold me accountable and they can help me build simple principles and, and habits and disciplines that I deep down know without that person on the phone, in face-to-face, on my back, kind of riding me. If I know deep down that I'm not going to do that without that person, then that's the most powerful thing in the world to me in business. Yeah, 100%. And it, I think it's a, a matter of um, there's, a, there's investment in you, there's investment in your clients as well i love the fact that you kind of have this evolutionary cycle where you actually bring like some of your coaches and your team have have already been through your process and therefore they they probably understand it better than anyone else yeah um maybe even you adam who knows yeah well um, I, I, surround yourself with people far better than yourself mate it's been my leadership manager from, from a very young age so and i'm trying my best to do that every day um and i I, one of the things for me i I think is um you know you you see a lot of coaches come and go and i guess the cream does rise to the top i guess part of this is about um credibility and authority and standing the test of time one one of my personal goals is um you know if i'm still here coaching in 10 20 30 years time um 
I will have achieved all of my goals. Okay. Just in terms of knowing that the amount of people I could have helped during that time and um, knowing that all of the things that I stand for in terms of, you know, congruency that you talk about, um, the simple, the simple fact of standing the test of time, I think is important. Um, and I, I'd advise anybody who's kind of looking at a coach, um, you know, there's always this argument as well around like coach versus mentor. Well, I think a coach should actually be both, um, in a way, a men- you know, I see a mentor as being somebody who is in the same industry as you maybe 10 years on and they've had the successes and failures and successes again. Um, and a coach the the added juice for a coach is somebody who's, the, who's there, who's going to kind of, um, stand alongside you and, um, you know, be, be in the trenches with you, fight your battles with you and help you through any challenges that you face in your business, which sometimes, again, you see people who are mentors who don't necessarily do that. Um, they'll kind of be out there, hey, look at what I've done, and then they'll disappear off into the night and they won't necessarily do the, the hard work, yeah. as it were. Yeah, well, in, in everything, mate, there's, there's an element of talent. You know, as a coach, we still have an element of talent. Of course you do, but sometimes we just have to be that bloody blunt uh, to, to get them to kind of see the wood for the trees. And yeah. that, that you, you use different methodologies and different processes to kind of reach that destination, you know. But as I said earlier, the destination formulates through that, through the conversation, through the questions. The, the, the mental piece uh, is, for me, the mental piece is, is uh, normally specializing in an area so that you've, when I was mentored in corporate, it's somebody that I, I'm either being mentored to go into the field or into the role that I want to do, and they've got experience in it. So they, they're coming at it with specialist knowledge. I feel the coach is much more of a generalist and it's really simple stuff like the sounding board aspect, you know, having somebody because small business owners and, and I'm talking small business up to multi-million, right? Small business owners who are sitting there and they've got a team of 15 or 20 and they lost that one contract that they've got lazy on because that was propping up 40, 50% of their business. And let's just say they lost that one contract. They're then sitting there going, shit, I can't go and tell the wife because she's going to moan about the holiday and I'm, I'm worried about the bloody mortgage and the kids in private school. And actually I've got 15 staff. I don't know if I can pay their wages. I can't go into the fag room and tell them. I don't know if we have a fag room anymore, but in the coffee room, you know, and tell the guys that I might not be able to pay them this month. And so who, who do I turn to, to get that shit out of my head? Cause that's a wormhole. And the, the years and years and years of experience doing this, having somebody that you can turn to that, isn't emotionally involved, isn't on the payroll in that sense, that can listen and genuinely listen and then question to help you come out of that wormhole and then start to move in the direction of taking actions to change it and then walk with you shoulder to shoulder, poking you, challenging you, supporting you, putting your arms around you and giving you a kick up the ass. That's what we do as coaches day to day. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I don't care if I was living on the frigging streets, I'd still be doing this because I've loved it. And I am a coach. It's not, it's, it's who I am, mate. It's not what I do. And it's been that way for so many years. So yes, I, I, I'm a bit down on the industry at times. And yes, I challenge a lot of the flakiness of this industry. Of course I bloody do. And I'm glad we've done that on this call. And hopefully the listeners would have heard some of the, some of the challenges and they'll, they'll take that on board when they're, they're vetting what they're going to do with coaches in the future. But it comes right the way back to them. Right. And it always will come back to them. What are their challenges? What are their goals? What are their commitments to themselves, their lives, their business, their family? Their, what do they want to achieve? You know, What's going to drive them? What's going to stop them? What's the, 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 the thing that's going to get them going on a day when they just want to pull the duvet up and go, not today? 
you know, all of that sort of grit, as Angela Duckworth puts it beautifully in that book, that grit is what I'm looking for in an individual and a business. Yeah. And if they've got that, I don't care if they're pre-startup, startup, multi-million or whatever. I know I can help them because they want to develop. And yeah. I say that quite boldly, but I know I can because they're not paying lip service to their own goals, their own lives, their own wants and achievements. Now, will that mean at times, as a coach being a generalist, that I'm going to stumble on areas that are not my expertise? Yes. And that's where I hold hands with them and go, let me introduce you to this person. Because I also work tirelessly in the background, Rob, and I have done for years, as you know, in building a network of people far better than me that can deal with the shit that comes out that maybe we can't deal with. Yep. All right. And that gives us that confidence to be able to go, we can deal with whatever shit comes out because we've got a team, an, an army behind us. Yeah. Hundred percent, and uh, you know that—that's. I guess that's one of the biggest reasons of like, like, look at look at the resources that a coach has. If it's yeah. just them, if it's just them on their own, and they're there with their little black book held tight to their chest, and they're not willing to share, so the the scarcity is there. You know, yeah. the amount of times I open up my little black book when I have, I know that there's no hope that I'm ever going to be working with somebody, but I'm like, hey, let, go and speak to this person because they're the person who is going to help solve that issue you've got right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's just about giving and like, you know, even 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 um, people within my own team, you know, I'm kind of. Um, you know, we'll say, look, fearless business isn't for you, but you need to go and spend some time with John or you need to go and spend some time with Matt. He's the guy that's probably going to get the best results for you. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that level of abundance that I think, you know, will, I think it kind of speaks for itself when you meet the right coach. Yeah, I mean, we, we had it, didn't we? We were both at an event uh, last year. We spoke, uh, both of us spoke at the event and somebody came up on up to me afterwards. You, you'd not long come off stage I was having some conversations with somebody and this, this person came up, kind of interrupted and were like, you need to convince me why I need to work with you. I've had a look at Rob's stuff. I've had a look at your stuff. I like both of you. I like both of your stuff, but you need to convince me why you want to work with me. And I remember saying, well, that's probably why you need to work with Rob then. Um, and it was, <laughs> but I, I'm 43 years of age, mate. I love what I do, but I'm not in the position to convince anyone. And I've, <laughs> I've got no friggin' interest to. Yeah. If they need convincing they're not ready yeah and, and i wasn't i wasn't trying to push push them over to you for no other i literally said look what do you want to do and, and it came down and, and i remember at the time the conversation came down to a lot to branding and I, I i know that's something that you specialized in in the past and i was i know it's not your cup of tea with everything going forward but you do it exceptionally well in that fearless program is getting people off the ground live rocketed getting that everything kind of clear in their heads of their goals their branding their, and that message super clear so it made perfect sense that they work with you. Now, whether I'll ever work with them in the future, ever want to, whether they'll ever want to or stuff like that, I didn't make a judgment on that then. I still don't know. I actually don't care. Yeah. And I mean that in the nicest sense. Right? I actually don't care whether you choose to do business with me or not because I don't need your business. I want some people's business, but I don't need everyone's business, if that makes sense. I, yeah. I won't be on the street if I don't have it. And it's that level of inner belief and inner confidence that... I, there's a big difference between confidence and arrogance and I get labeled as arrogant at times. And normally that's a reflection of people's own ignorance and, and arrogance coming through anyway, but let's not go there. I mean, that's a deeper conversation, but it's that, that having that confidence to go on stage doesn't mean that I'm confident in all areas of my life. That's why I have a coach. That's why I get support. That's why I have a sounding board because I don't want to do it on my own. More importantly, I can't do it on my own. Yeah. You know, 100%. so this industry is, it's, it's the kind of fourth emergency service or whatever you want, but it shouldn't be used as an emergency. It should be used 
I remember Gloucestershire Constabulary rapping probably going right back to the start, mate, to Billy Connolly this for you. Um, Gloucestershire Constabulary, their strapline, their branding at the time was prevention, not cure. Which is the wrong way round. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I always used to get my attention, but I never kind of realised why for so long. And it's like, no, no, we need to we need to stop training and coaching on symptoms, and we need to help people figure out the cause. Because if yeah. we have to figure out the cause, they will grow, they will move on. And we, as you and I, mate, and other coaches like it, we do a small amount in that process, a small part of that journey. We like the touch paper, we guide and we mentor. And that's what we do. We coach, we ask questions. They do the work. That's the difference between working with a consultant and a coach for me is that the individual does the work. The consultant doesn't, you know? Yeah. The coach doesn't. So. Definitely. Cool. Well, listen, we're, um, we've, we've gone on a bit, Adam. Yeah. We've gone on a bit. So we're going to try and wrap this up now. I'm interested to know, um, obviously you're doing some amazing work for a local um, neonatal charity, Scooby-Doo at the moment. So yes. I'd love to hear just, um, just to kind of close down how people can get in touch with you, the work you're doing with, um, with Scooby-Doo as well. And what, what are the next plans for Sales Academy moving forward? Cool. Okay. So two, two ways to get in, in touch with uh, one request, actually. Uh, I want to build the YouTube channel up. So I'm looking for subscribers on the YouTube channel. So if, if people search for Sales Academy, they'll see the brand in the cartoons and stuff. So if you search for UK Sales Academy in YouTube, you'll find us. Uh, and if not, you can find us via the website. But uh, the best way to contact us, to be blunt, mate, you know me, I don't do emails. I have to at some point. Uh, they're not my uh, most popular form of communication because keyboard warriors hide behind shit, you know? So I would always say, to hook up with us on Facebook. So UK Sales Academy on Facebook, you'll find loads of videos, loads of free content, loads of useful stuff in there, messages, phone us. Be a human being and come and have a conversation with us because there's no such thing as a stupid question, just stupid people that remain stupid because they don't ask questions. So UK Sales Academy on Facebook, um, he'll cover this on YouTube. There's, again, there's loads of top tips, training videos, free content, and we're going to boost and add loads more to that this year. Cool. And then um, we, we did a talk, uh, didn't we, uh, last week? And you, you raised in one morning, which is pretty, pretty spectacular, £3,666 um, yeah. for the Scooby-Doo charity out of a total which you're planning on raising this year, £10,000. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you, mate. Well, again, it, it, it's, um, the, the band got back together at Strainet, you know, the brilliant event that you launched. And, well, we launched together, but it's your event. I, I came and spoke to your event three years ago now. And... Every June, May, June time, we get up together and we, we planned this a few months ago, didn't we, in terms of let's, let's do the Great British Coach Off. Let's pitch ourselves against each other in terms of a talk. Let's have a bit of fun with this. Let's expose ourselves naked, but metaphorically, because uh, no one needs that just before lunch, right? <laughs> um, and let's, let's, let's put ourselves out there to the business world and go, look, come and, come and get educated and also make a contribution to, to charity. So what we both offered in that room, because... You know, I, I, yeah, I raised 3,666, mate. You raised several thousands for all, sort, all sorts as well. And those, the amount that you raised in the room didn't stop there. You've continued to raise. So Scooby-Doo, the charity that I'm raising for, which is a neonatal charity based in Gloucester Royal Hospital. And they, my daughter was there in 2007, you know, and any parent that's ever gone through that, it's, it's an incredibly heartwarming and heartbreaking scenario and uh, i'm going to do everything i can to support scooby-doo and shed and the other charities that are associated with it because being a dad in that scenario i don't want to isolate us dads out but we're not we've not had much connect, as much connection with the baby during pregnancy and everything else we just don't you know 
biologically, metabolically, whatever. So a lot of the times we're, we're kind of historically out there getting the, doing the do, and then suddenly you just find yourself sat next to an incubator feeling completely bloody helpless and yeah. your little treasures inside and you, everything, you would give everything inside of you to swap, to, to, to kind of give them life, you know, and give them, and you're surrounded by people that just never stop loving and caring the people there. So yes, they get funds through NHS trusts and everything else, but a, a large portion of what they do is, is funded by the charity. And I was at a meeting recently and they had a benefactor uh, through a will come through, which was absolutely amazing. And the support that they've got over the years and will continue to get, I want to raise whatever I can. And we're working together with other businesses to be able to do that. So we're kind of creating a cause where we can all back it. So we've got firewalls coming later in the year and stuff. Uh, we've got the event that we did the Great British Coach off. There's free events that we're running every month down at Dixie Dot in Quedgley in Gloucestershire. We've got these three-hour workshops. You did one of them for us recently, mate, raised a few hundred quid on the night. And that's the kind of stuff that we're doing is people starting out or people thinking about starting out or people that have been in business for years. These are educational workshops, practical doing and theory workshops around all aspects of business, finance, marketing, sales, systems, and people. So come along for three hours, see who we are, see what we do, get a load of education, get loads of templates and stuff that you can help with your business and crack on and use it. And if in time you need some help, come and talk to us. You know, pick up the phone and don't be afraid because I want you to see that we're human beings and we're, we're using this stuff in our lives and businesses now. This isn't stuff we're just teaching for the bloody sake of it. We're, we're kind of teaching shortcuts so that because we've made those mistakes, right, Rob? We've yeah. made them. So <laughs> if we can share them with other people. One, one or two, Adam, not many. <laughs> yeah. If we can share them with people to go how you avoid it, that's the beauty. That's what I've learned from reading books from mentors and, and, and people around the world that have kind of tread, trod the path that I'm trodding now. So whatever we can do to support businesses, people, communities, yeah, let's do it, mate. Let's, let's rip some trees up. Oh, absolutely. And for me, for me, it's um, one of the most rewarding things that um, I, rewarding parts of my job is seeing the, um, the benefits for the, the, the wider, it's not just about making money for me. It's about like, how can we, how can we help the business community to grow? How can we help the wider community um, as a whole to grow? It's just, mm -hmm. it's super important to be able to give something back, um, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm grateful to be in a position whereby I'm able to do that. I know a lot of business owners starting out um, sort of want to, want to take that leap of faith and and start you know giving 10 percent of their income straight away to charity like well hold your horses you know there's a certain part with startups where you've got to get everything sorted first you know earn some more money and then you can actually end up giving more back to charity and i'm kind of feel very grateful i you know that um i'm in a position to be able to give time and money um to be able to help help these great cause causes and especially likes of scooby-doo um you know i've not had first-hand experience but i know several parents several dads mums who've been through um the neo neonatal wards um at gloucester so it's it's a it's a great thing that you're doing adam um i commend you massively for thank that. you mate and i, I want to stop and thank you for a minute mate, and just stop you in your tracks and thank you because yeah, being in the ability, being in the space financially and, and mentally and stuff like that with your business to be able to support other people and to be able to, to, to put events on to help other people grow. Being able to is one thing. Actually doing it is another, mate. And I, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. You know you have to pay extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> Stridenet, mate, is, is, is the best networking group I've ever been to because it's not about networking. That happens as a byproduct. We have coffees, we have teas and stuff. It, it's better than a TEDx, right? You, you, you put on an educational event where you get speakers from all different areas, come and educate businesses, and there's like what, 50 to 70 people in that room every, every other month. 
And I love it. I only do two networking in, in my business life now, and that's one of them. And I commit to it and invest into it and support it, and I'll be there every single time that I can be because predominantly, mate, supporting you and what you've, what you've backed. You wanted to do it in Stroud in your local area. You wanted to give back to the community. And it's about, as I said, doing it is different to being able to. So yeah. thank you, Nick, and I appreciate being invited onto this. And I'm humbled uh, on the day that we were together the other day when we both raised thousands of pounds for a charity doing what we love. And it just, it, it just re-emphasizes and re-energizes who we are and what we do. So I truly appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that too as well, buddy. Um, cool. So, uh, right, let's wrap up. So um, thank you, Adam. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, obviously, if you want to um, follow up with Adam, we'll pop some links into the show notes as well. But uh, check out his YouTube channel. Check out UK Sales Academy on uh, Facebook um, and also jump onto their website. And Adam, you will have a fantastic conversation if you do tap up Adam for some help with your business. Um, he is uh, one of the best, um, if not the best coach in the UK in my opinion if not the world um, and uh, the maverick renegade will live on uh, he will keep on helping business owners <laughs> will keep on helping the local community out with all the work that he does um, Adam it has been an absolute pleasure thank you yeah, you too mate you too likewise thank you very much <laughs>